0: The economy sucked. Yeah, he, two babies, why. bad economy. Yeah. Let's start a firm. Let's do it. Nice. Yeah, and
1: everybody around me just got laid off. So, <laughs> he, my my father-in-law thought I was the craziest person on earth, but it worked.
0: Hey, hello, and welcome to Architecting. So this is a podcast about the lives of architects and about the the people and the stories behind the buildings and the images that we see. And beyond that, with with our very international world that we live in, this show will purposely be local and narrow. We're only gonna be focusing on uh, the Colorado community of designers. So I'm the host, my name's Adam Wagner. I'm a Denver-based architect. I'm married to an architect. I have two architecture degrees and I've worked for a dozen uh, different architecture firms in three different countries. But for the last five years, I've been rooted in Denver where I'm at an architect at Open Studio Architecture and I teach at the University of Colorado Denver. So I really like connecting with other architects and just hearing their, their stories and learning from their experiences. So now I'm I'm broadcasting these stories with the goal of creating a stronger local community and just just helping people to connect. So that brings us to our guest today, Chad Mitchell. So to me, Chad and his his firm Meridian 105 are a fairly mystic and kind of mysterious bunch. So when I moved to Denver, I I gravitated towards their work right away. Their buildings really stood out to me as as being um, pretty profound in their, their use of of layering and texturing at a detail level, um, but then packaged within very strong and and simple concepts and forms. So you'll be able to hear this a little bit in my conversation, I, I kind of like fanboyed out on them a few times, uh, maybe a little too hard, uh, but I, I really just, I, I, I enjoy their work a lot. Um, and when I moved to Denver, I, I I emailed Chad and I kept bugging him kind of over and over and it took me a long time of pestering him to, to finally meet him for the first time. And and he came in for a a review, um, for one of my classes at university of Colorado. Um, and so, and actually finally, uh, for this interview, after five years of emailing him and talking with him, he finally gave me his personal email so I could stop messaging him at info at meridian105.com. So I guess it means I, I finally worn him down here. but So he has a sort of reserved matter of fact kind of manner to him that seems hard to crack, but I think produces um, some projects that are really deep and interesting. Anyway, Chad is a, a graduate of the University of Florida. He worked for Helmut Yawn in Chicago for six years and then Oz Architecture in Denver for six years before founding Meridian 105. This small firm has won uh, many awards, one of the most prominent being the 2018 AIA Colorado Young Architecture Firm of the Year, and they've also exhibited work uh, for the 2016 Venice Biennale. So here's my conversation with Chad. Thanks. Happy Friday, how was your day? Parts all right. How about yourself? Yeah, it was like a it was like a deadline day where I had like a bunch of little appointments that popped up, and it was it was like a race to get to this point. But I I knocked yeah. it, I knocked it out right before this, so I'm feeling better. Yeah. What
1: kind of deadlines did you have?
0: Oh, uh, it was just like a an RFP like draft uh, growing out. So getting yeah. that going, but cool. So where are you at? So so tell me about your space a little bit. I, I've seen pictures of the outside, but what? Uh, what yeah, it's, we have an old gas station that um, used to serve like
1: the old Stapleton Airport. It's on Smith Road. I don't know if you ever go over to that area, but it's between Colorado and uh, Quebec. Oh, yeah. You know, right, right along the light rail there. <clears throat> um, and so this area used to like serve the Stapleton Airport and we a few years back bought one of the old gas stations and it's kind of a cool space um a little bit beat up you know it's not very large <laughs> but uh it's a good good spot
0: um yeah you have like a you have like a little like workshop and stuff in there that you can kind of fabricate some things and
1: yeah you want you want me to give you a little
0: facebook tour <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> but uh... I can I I can I can narrate it for the uh, for the podcast all right so we're seeing a lot of glass going in corner space nice yeah
1: so basically you
0: know it's it's
1: a fairly kind of of small space but we've got a little conference room that light rail outside you know a little parking lot and spot and then we got a garage in here which is too messy to show you right now but got <laughs> a sailboat in there
0: <laughs> nice
1: yeah we use that as our workshop
0: that's perfect that's that's the dream there like have your own uh your own architecture uh clubhouse a little you know <laughs> a little bit of that you, yeah you did it yeah yeah i keep trying to figure out how to ask this question but who, who are you who would you say you are in like two sentences? It, it's been tripping a lot of people up. I don't mean it to. It can be a pretty simple question, but.
1: Um, I mean, I'm just an architect, that's all.
0: <laughs> nice, I like that. So so how, how'd how you get there? Where, where'd you come from?
1: Um, I mean, I moved to Denver in 2005. Um, before that, I was in Chicago for about six years, um, working there. Um, And that was like 99 to 2005 when I was working at Murphy Yon. Um, You know, that was after after a small stint in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, after college. Um, But that's kind of my whole roundabout path to Meridian 105. Um, I've been here the longest, honestly, for any point in my career at this point it's been you know 15 years it's been a yeah. while
0: yeah so I, i'd forgotten that you that you were in a florida guy with with brad thomasek as well until you till you brought it up so did you grow up in florida or just go there for school? yeah i grew up i grew up in clearwater um hmm.
1: from like uh third grade until college um and, uh, you know, I went to college in Gainesville for six years before I decided, you know, to move out and try big city living in Chicago.
0: <laughs> so yeah. did you, were you, were you there at the same time as Brad at, at Florida or? Yeah, we, we were in the
1: same class. We had oh, a really? bunch of classes together and so stuff. Yeah, we were good friends, hung out a lot. That's funny. We had, we had design classes together and um, we were in the same friend circle. Hmm. So did Did you have? There's another guy here locally too. Uh, this guy Wells Squire. Oh really? Yeah, Anderson College. Uh, class pres- president, elect of the AIA this
0: coming session.
1: So we were all the same class together.
0: Huh. That's funny. Yeah, because I I interviewed uh, Nan Anderson last week, and we were talking about yeah. him. Yeah. he's over there. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So we're all we're all good friends. We watch the Gator games together and stuff. Hmm. <laughs> So did you, I mean, um, did you have many options uh, in Florida? Like th- there's a fair amount of architecture schools there, right? I mean, w- or w- was it a pretty direct path for you to go to University of Florida or?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I just, um, I, when I was in high school, I just had a bunch of friends that were applying there. And I didn't really realize um that they had such a great architectural program. I kind of got lucky there. Um, I didn't wanna to go to architecture school and um, I had a list of places that I was gonna apply to, but um, they had this early application process at the time that you could you know, send in. And you know, if you were lucky, you got early acceptance and I did. So I ended up not even applying to other schools that I had on my list, just they, they let me in. And I decided since my friends were going there, I was gonna go there. And,
0: Kind of, kind of steamrolled from there but. the easy choice I yeah I look at I kind of did the same thing right? I grew up in Kansas and just went to Kansas State and you know I, I wonder how big of a difference would it have made to go to a different undergrad for architecture you know like would you be, you think you'd be a different architect now or or I wonder that too like I
1: you know I had an opportunity to go to a different grad school um and I didn't take that one um again, you know, just was very comfortable at University of Florida. Um, and so, you know, I went to school with just like one teaching philosophy and I don't really, I don't really know what I missed because I didn't, you know, participate in, you know, another school's program. So I, I wonder that same thing, I think sometimes.
0: Yeah, because, you know, I look at your work and Brad's work and I think, yeah, there's some, there's some similarities, but I feel like, you know, it's not the same kind of methodology or like, did it, did it, I always try to like pigeonhole schools or or something like there's one kind of current, but what, did, do you have an understanding of kind of like what was different about your education there at Florida versus other places or like how it puts you out into the world? I mean, you know, Florida had, kind of
1: two different groups of teachers that I think they had the ones that were pretty pragmatic and then they had the ones that were pretty, I guess, theoretical in their teachings. And I was more like in that pragmatic group. And I think I gravitated more towards those, um, you know, types, types of professors. Um, so I think they kind of catered to both types of students there. But you know their their programming or their program overall is just great you know for everybody I think um it's a good program to go to um you know the I'd say Brad probably more is in line with some of the more theoretical teachers that we had there uh, at least that's my observation of the work that he does um but um you know they really kind of embrace everybody there
0: yeah interesting so you graduated there and you're like i need i need to get to a bigger bigger city and you go to chicago or was it that direct i when i graduated i actually i tried
1: to move to los angeles or new york city that was my dream to go to one of those places and i didn't know how to apply for a job that's not something they taught at school you know so I thought that I could just fly out there and, you know, start walking into offices with a resume in hand and just ask for a job. And so I had some friends in California and I had some friends in New York and I kind of gave that a shot and it didn't work. Um, but it, so I moved to New York um, cause I had family living in Albany, um, which was a couple hours from New York city. And I was there for a couple months and didn't get a job. And uh, Wells, actually, Wells Squire got me a job down in Fort Lauderdale because he was working down there. And so I worked down in Fort Lauderdale for about a year. Um, And um, it was kind of like a temporary stop. I mean, really, I I wanted to work at a big firm in a big city or, you know, figure design firm. Um, I'd say that, you know, down in Florida at the time, there wasn't a lot of, Big name firms, you know, like Miami didn't have the big architecture scene that they do now. Um, So I didn't really feel like there's a whole lot of opportunity to stay in Florida. So that's kind of what sent me to Chicago. Um, I had a couple friends that were living there and they were doing pretty good. And actually ended up applying for um, six or seven different firms when I decided I wanted to move to Chicago. And I think I interviewed every single one of them and, you know, just strangely, I, I only got one offer from that trip, and it was from Helmet Young. so <laughs> I was ecstatic, and I That's took it. That's not bad, you know? yeah.
0: I know, I, I, I'm really, I'm really interested to hear what he's like, like, he, he's such kind of a enigma to me, like, I feel like in school, he was kind of big before, before I got to school, but it was kind of like, I heard about him, but I never, I, you know, it's hard to kind of know what he was doing and he was such this big figure it seemed like um and and doing this fairly unique w- work but yeah well, he was like um yeah i learned about him
1: in college too like he was one of those architects that was in the books you know that mm-hmm. people owned um but it wasn't like one of it wasn't like a morphosis or one of those groups that you know people were trying to emulate because they were like super cutting edge but he was like known for doing high rises and stuff like that um when i got there uh he primarily i think he was only doing work in germany and like china and overseas he didn't have any commissions in the united states that i knew of and my understanding is that in Chicago he did like the state of Illinois, state of Illinois building um, other work and kind of developed a little bit of a bad reputation in town for um, for whatever reason he was difficult to work with or who knows what but he wasn't doing any work in Chicago Um, and some of the first projects that he started to get in Chicago again I were assigned to me. Like I got the state of Illinois uh state of Illinois, um, I'm sorry, the um the student dormitory project at IIT um that got assigned to me. So I was like the project architect on that. And then hmm. as he started to build up his work in Chicago, you know, I kept getting to work on those projects. Um but he was um one of those like perfectionist type guys that like, didn't really want to accept anything less than perfect work. And if he didn't produce it, he took it out on you. <laughs> and it was a tough, it was a tough place to work because of that, you know, I think um, pretty tense work environment, I'd say overall, um, you know, the work that people Turned out, there was really high quality, but I think that the way that he arrived at getting that from people was just um, kind of, for lack of a better word, just an overarching kind of intimidation factor at the firm. Right.
0: Yeah. You know, if you don't do it
1: right, you're going to be embarrassed or yelled at, and you know that was that was the culture of the office. Um, which I didn't love, but at the same time, like, I can't complain about having worked there. It was awesome. You know, I learned so much because of that, you know, um, that, I, that I took away from it.
0: But yeah, I mean, because like six years to put up with, you know, you got to get used to it, to that after six years, right? I mean, and it has to, you kind of got to <laughs> embrace it in a way, or do you never embrace it? <laughs> never get used um,
1: to it? I. I will never forget that like every Sunday I used to get like the Sunday blues having to go to work the next right. day because, you know, the atmosphere wasn't that pleasant. Um, and, you know, I haven't really had that since I moved here because, you know, <laughs> it's a little more chill and, you know, now that, you know, I've got this company, we've, we've got a different atmosphere around here, but, um, yeah' uh, it was a peculiar place to work
0: <laughs> but that but that has to you know it's I feel like it's a struggle within the profession of that desire for kind of rigor and per, and perfection right and uh-huh. and how you get that it's so hard it's so hard to get it, and the one easiest way is to is the kind of intimidation and I think it's mostly because you're you're kind of insecure in, your, in, your, in yourself or your work or, you know and just really striving to get that. Um, and it, 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 has it been a struggle to, to not revert to that, to get to the kind of perfection that you guys do put out at Ready One Five? I mean,
1: I mean, I don't feel like I have it in me to, to run a place like that. Um, you can ask my, <laughs> you can ask the people who <laughs> work with me another time, but I don't think that, you know, we really do it that way, but. You know, I I wonder the same thing, like, do you have to be that intense to really kind of be that, do that type of work? I don't know, you know, do you have to kind of strive for perfection and just be nasty if you don't get it to to get there? I hope not.
0: (laughs) Right. We're not doing it. Yeah, because it seems you know it seems like we're kind of skipping a few things, but it, it seems like you you have that perfection in your work. I feel like, but but you've kind of nailed that the scale and the kind of sweet spot of work that allows you to do that, where it's like a certain scale and a certain maybe clients that where you're not chasing those huge projects or something where you're running into some of those walls maybe. But
1: yeah, I mean we're lucky to work with a lot of great clients, you know, that, um, you know, I feel like we've got almost like personal relationships with, um, so, you know, with that comes a lot of trust and a lot of understanding. And so the, the need to kind of put really kind of flashy kind of song and dance presentations forward and do all the things that a firm like, you know, Murphy on was doing when I was there is that maybe the need isn't there for what we're doing right now i don't know
0: right yeah okay so you're well you're in chicago and it's funny you said the thing of, like you wanted to work in la or work in new york but you end up in chicago because that's kind of how i feel yeah. about chicago like I you know i've been there a few times and it's a great place but you know outside of like gang and tiger man i don't know many architects you know it's like but it's definitely obviously a architectural like mecca and there's hundreds of firms there what what was the kind of um culture and like scene like for you there with especially with architecture and architects uh
1: I feel like the architecture in Chicago is really kind of buttoned up it's mm. I wouldn't call it conservative um but it's really refined and um uh it, doesn't seem to take a lot of chances i mean maybe jeannie gang's work is an anomaly because um you know she does some interesting things but i feel like a lot of the work in chicago is kind of corporate um you know it's different than what you know i see out of like los angeles i mean i really wanted to move to los angeles back in the time because you know i was really impressed by the firms that were doing experimental type of projects you know that's what i wanted to be a part of back, you know, when I graduated.
0: Yeah. But is it, is it a, um, very like collaborative, is there like architecture league softballs and softball leagues and stuff where you're like seeing other people? Oh yeah. Or is it pretty, is it it competitive and (laughs) yeah. Our,
1: um, believe it or not. So Murphy on was mostly a German firm, you know, like I'd say that maybe sixty percent of the employees were employees were German. So hmm. it was a German and English speaking office, but he might you might be in the section with mostly Germans working on a German projects. You might not hear English most of the day. Um but strangely we were in a softball league and uh were the league champions when, when I was on the softball team. Really? But, yeah, because we had some ringers on the team. The some Americans coxum. that we have in our office had like a baseball background, you know, so we we kicked everybody's butt in the nice. softball league. But we did have, you know, one or two players on the team that would run to like third base, you know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> when they
1: hit the ball. Um, but yeah, no, there was, there was a good scene there, you know. Um, uh, Murphy, I was kind of like, Not competing against those other firms for work. Um, So I don't, we we were kind of in a different world there when when we were at that firm, um, when I was at that firm. Just our work was in China, it was in Germany, you know, work that was won by like competitions um, or, you know, bigger commissions. And it's not like we put up a proposal with, you know, up against
0: Stanley Tigerman
1: or something like that. Um, It was, it was his own projects and, um, you know, they were not international
0: projects, so. Right. Huh. That's interesting. Like being, being in such an architectural city and, but working mostly out outside of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, so, so you went, you went from that to, to moving to Denver and like almost solely working in Denver. <laughs> so what, what, did, well, what did, what did the, what did the yeah, what here that here's... move look like?
1: Yeah, I came here, and I got a job with Oz, so I worked with Oz for, like, another six years. Really? Um, Yeah, Uh, and I think most of the work that I did at Oz was Colorado work. You know, there was an occasional project that I worked on that was out of town, but most of the stuff that moved forward was Colorado work, so... So what, what yes, co- said, yeah.
0: What, what prompted that move in, in that, in going to Oz from Chicago? Uh, I had a, a,
1: a few friends here, you know, Brad and Wells included, um, that just, uh, were already here working and, you know, some other folks that, um, I knew and we were, uh, some of that crew lived in Chicago and we were all kind of coming out here for ski trips together. Um, and uh, we'd go up to the mountains for a week or a weekend or something and just go skiing together. And, um, you know, I, I guess I kind of liked it. And a lot of the other people that were doing those trips did too. And so there's different friends we were here from Chicago. And I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to try that too. You know, I figured it was time to move on from Murphy on and try something new and see if I could get a job that, you know, I wanted – to have a little bit of a work-life balance and, you know, that took me out here.
0: Yeah. So what, what was that like, like the, 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 the beat, the large beast that it, that's Oz. <laughs>
1: um, I mean, it was peculiar coming from a firm, I'd say that really kind of put, um, say like, Design and that sort of excellence on a pedestal, and then working at a firm that was very much client service oriented. And so it, it was extremely different, honestly. Like, I, I think now, like, somehow Meridian 105 falls somewhere in the middle because of my experience at both those firms. Um, but they were, they're extremely different, you know, far extremes.
0: Yeah. Um, Uh, especially with that kind of that that kind of soul vision that was probably with Helmet Yon and then going to the the real kind of collective at Oz. Um,
1: Yeah like at Oz I don't think they have any one real designer there. Um, You know strangely when I was at Murphy on um, my role was primarily technical. I was one of I was a project architect and my role was detailing. So I sat there oh, for hours and hours every day and drew details. Uh and mostly my role was facade detailing. Um so they would assign me to a project for 3 4 months and I just draw all the facade details and then I'd migrate uh, to a different project. Huh. And then eventually I worked my way into the role of doing like CA on the local uh Uh, IIT project, Um, and so I did a a little bit of CA on some overseas stuff, but remotely, and also some detailing. So my role there was very technical, but when I came to Oz, um, it really kind of transitioned into like a designer role. Um, I did do some technical stuff, and I was still a project architect, but I was very much front end working on the, the volumetric designs on some of their hmm. work that they were doing. So, you know, it, it was, I, I think I told them when I came here that I really wanted to do that. Um, Cause I, I, you know, I wasn't going to get that opportunity at Murphy Young, Um That was, you know, really reserved for people that were willing to spend, you know, 90 hours a week. And I wasn't one of those people. So,
0: <laughs> right. Um, but that's really interesting, that's an interesting like career arc, it, it feels kind of opposite, you know, normally you come in and you're doing kind of massing and things like that and helping out with graphics and then you, you work your way to, to detailing, at least in my experience, but but to have that detailing experience and then bring that to the front end, seems pretty powerful. Yeah.
1: yeah. Hmm. I mean, I, I think that my work there has given me just a major appreciation for just the details um, you know, even now I I work I draw details you know like I, I still do it um, you know I'm not sitting in an office trying to get work all day you know like I I get in the reddit file with my team and I draw details with them and I like doing it <laughs> you know it's like probably the funnest part of my week when I can find two hours to do a little bit of
0: it nice so so what so six years you said six years there six years there and then i'm then i'm gone again what was the impetus
1: yeah that was in uh i guess the end of 2010 i was ready you know um not the best time to start a business (laughs) right (laughs) um but i wasn't you know I, i sat there from 2008 to 2010 just watching people get laid off for two years and I during that time frame I decided look I want to I want to do this I want to start my own thing and I I kind of sat there hoping that I would get laid off so I could collect some unemployment right but I didn't mm-hmm. so um I quit um to do this and you know like people thought I was maybe crazy at the time just because the economy really wasn't very good uh, but I did it anyway,
0: um, and it worked. So yeah, what it, I'm always interested in that like little spark in that, those first like six months or whatever. So did you did you have a project lined up, or you just you just quit? You had some money and started drawing. Yeah, I, I didn't
1: have I didn't have any projects lined up. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, if you look at our website, there's a, a handful of, like theoretical design exercise projects that might not even look. A little bit like college work like i think that you know part of what was making me want to leave oz and start a company was just this uh, like overwhelming desire to just do some design you know like I, I was doing design at oz but it wasn't the type that i really wanted to do um and i just felt like i mean it sounds cheesy but i had this kind of burning sensation to really just like do some design work. Um and so, you know, I think with Revit software coming out and other three D modeling was becoming more popular at the time and I was becoming more familiar with it at all. It just felt like I wanted to do this. And so I spent that first it was probably like nine months just um enjoying myself really doing design and doing things that i wanted to do um trying different concepts i wanted to explore different ideas um some of them were you know purely physical some were um you know a a thought on how you know projects might be built or you know different different concepts i did a couple like little competitions and you know primarily i looked at it as a dual opportunity. One is to to enjoy what I really wanted to do and secondly to try to find an opportunity to just build a brand and get our name out there. So a lot of that stuff, you know, we got published and it was really cool. Like we got some of those projects, a lot of them are on like Arc Daily and like Ebolo's website and some of those websites that I really was following at the time. Um just to kind of get our name out there and prove that we're a design firm. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what value those projects, you know, offer us now, but except to look back and be proud
0: of them, you know? Right. I mean, it, yeah, it's interesting. You're talking about like wanting to follow those kind of LA architects. Cause I, yeah, like some of the, like the V tower and like the, the weave housing, especially, you know, has some like nice like Neil Denari kind of, moves and sends to it or something and that kind of west coast but so who who is we at that point was it did you have somebody else that you were working with or no it's just me okay the Um, royal we yeah
1: i think that we brought our first person on uh, a couple years after that after we actually started getting projects um that was probably 2012 that you know the work was really enough that i can do it on my own um yeah you know, and that was the probably the the tejon project um that actually is built and some other work that we were working on at the time that really was enough of an indication that you know i should probably look at myself more like a a firm that, that, you know, is trying to accomplish work, and so we brought some people on, and um, you know, things kind of snowballed a little bit from there.
0: So, when you did the Taon project, you were still just by yourself? You did that whole thing?
1: Yeah, I uh, I did everything. (laughs) Wow. That was me. Yeah. didn't didn't have an employee at that time.
0: Hmm. I I love that project. We went, when we first moved here, we we checked out apartments there, and we're, we're pretty close to getting one, but, um, yeah, it's, it's such a, you know, I think like with your work, I, and I don't say, I don't, I mean this for you. I don't, I, maybe I'll say it to other people, but I mean it for you that, you know, I, I really love your work in the, especially in the way that you, you, you really craft these details and have such a good, like texture to things all within a very kind of simple and fundamental concept you know it's like a very clear thing but but it it w- works at these different scales and I think yeah that Tejon project really kind of exemplifies it um in a lot of ways but so how'd you how'd you it, how'd you get that how'd you get connected into that project then that was a
1: uh, client that we actually um that I did a project with when I was at Oz um they reached out and you know knew that I had started my own firm so they reached out and we ended up working uh, on a project with them in fact when they first reached out to us they owned uh, a much smaller property there that they wanted to do a multi-family building on and after we started it they were able to build or buy the property next door so it got larger um, you know like looking back it was a larger project than I would have expected I think to get as somebody just started a company that had one person, but um, I think we had a good, you know, I had a good level of trust with this client, and
0: kind of the
1: project unfolded, and we did it, you know. Um,
0: So that was that was like how many years after you had started your (laughs) firm? When did that come along? That um,
1: project came on in like um the first year at the end of the first year after i started so i think that officially um i started um working as meridian 105 in january of 2011 and then towards the end i was starting to get projects at the end of 2011 so i did that ship top house um and i did the Tejon project at the end of 2011.
0: yeah so how how are you uh how are you eating for those first few months how are you how are you getting money in
1: i mean i just had a little bit of savings Yeah. And, you know it's funny where you can stretch out and make work <laughs> you know i mean the the years prior to that you know in 2008 and 2010 i was a down economy and i was at oz you know and you know when i was there there was mass layoffs you know um yeah and you know pay reductions and all sorts of things like that and we had just had you know a couple kids and we we learned how to we learned how to uh, I don't know make make things stretch out (laughs) for for those years Um, and that actually was pretty beneficial uh, knowledge to kind of make a firm work for a first year.
0: So when you started yeah. your, so when you started your firm, how, how many kids did you have, and how old old were they?
1: Uh, I had two kids, and one was um, two, and the other one was less than a year old. So. Wow. And, and yeah, and the economy sucked. Yeah, two hard. babies,
0: bad economy. Yeah. Let's start a firm. Let's do it. Nice. Yeah,
1: and everybody around me just got laid off. So. <laughs> <laughs> My my father-in-law thought I was the craziest person on earth, but it <laughs> yeah. worked.
0: Yeah. All right. So you, so you get, you get Tejon off and that's, and then that gets, that's getting published and stuff and getting more attention. And what, uh, what's the next step? What, what starts hitting?
1: Um, you know, the next project type that started rolling in was townhouses, you know, a lot of people are building townhouses in Denver, at least they were a few years ago, and we were just happy to get those projects, um, and we did a couple um, back then, and, um, you know, eventually, um, the client that we did, the shipped top house on, um, he's, Uh, a local or at least back then was doing some other local development he's the guy that developed Avanti so he hired us to do Avanti Uh, and you know I think that with some of my commercial background kind of just helped bolster what we were doing in the commercial um, market and really that just helped build more and more projects of that type
0: Hmm. So what, what's your team look like now? How many, how many people do you have?
1: Uh, there's four of us. There's um, three architects and um, my wife works for us and she's um, doing uh, primarily, you know, um, business development, man- office management, agreements, things like that. So, I mean, essentially we're achieving all of our, our architectural work with three
0: people right now. Right. Yeah. Has that been a pretty stable team? I mean, it, it seems like your work has been pretty consistent for a while. But.
1: Yeah. I mean, we have one guy here, Daniel, um, who's been with us. He's the first person that we brought on in 2012. Uh, we've got another guy, Carl, um, who's been here a couple of years. And yeah, I mean, the team's been stable. It's now, there's not a whole lot of turnover. There's, Not a whole lot of people coming and going. Uh, I think we're lucky, you know. Right, yeah. Um, Because of that. Um, I think it's an interesting way that we do projects. Just um, everybody here works on every project. Um, So really everybody knows what's going on um, on every project. Everybody's got their hands in every set of drawings, including me. Um, And so we're working very closely together um it's not like these different kind of segmented teams that are doing you know these different projects we it's a a little bit of a challenge to do that as a small firm you know because deadlines come and go and um you know some projects start and stop so really we just try to you know group on every
0: project and get it done right and and everybody's so if you have a new project coming in the door does everybody kind of jump on it in the beginning like that or do you kind of run with it for a little bit and yeah yeah in fact we're starting a new project this week and that's the way we're doing it it's just
1: like well what do you want to do what do you want to work on let's let's decide what we're gonna do for this project and what we want to do first and who's got time right now who's got time today and what task can you start on? And what task can I start on? And, you know, I've, I, I try to kind of mix the responsibilities so that we're all doing different tasks and get a little bit of variety to keep things interesting. Um, you know, some of it's who's available and some of it's just like, um, what some, what somebody might want to work on, I guess. Um,
0: but, that's how we attack projects. Yeah. I don't usually like to get into this but but again I love your work and I I, I really just want to try to figure out how to copy it or be as good as you but uh w- w- you know how to talk about your process? I I f- I feel like that's a hard thing for architects and for us.
1: You know like we're we're trying to figure out
0: our own process to be honest. Right, yeah.
1: Uh, we're always trying to figure out our own process um, and try to make it better. Um, historically, um, we've started most projects in Revit, which has its ups and downs, you know, and it's so component-based. Um, and we're, we're, we're trying to kind of try other methods to, to kind of break that mold that Revit imposes on us. I think that even though we use Revit in the early phases of design, we find a way to use it that stretches its limits, you know, Um, like that V Tower project and that um, Weave housing projects were both Revit projects, but we're using the commands in Revit that I feel like are underutilized, reusing the masking campaigns and trying to stretch this software to the limit. Um, but at the same time, you know, I feel like sometimes you miss out on what you get from like hand drawing and model making and things like that. So I think in this latest project, we're starting this week, we're trying to um, just employ some of those techniques that historically like you might use in college you know right uh mapping and analysis and things like that um but our process you know it, it changes on every project but we're trying to we're trying to dial it in and make it as meaningful as pro as possible um i don't, I don't know what that means but um that's something that we're always working on
0: <laughs> right because i you know i i uh I'm in, I live in Sunnyside and so I'm pretty, I'm pretty close to like the, the, your rail project and, um, and Jason Street. And so, and I have friends that live over there in the rail yard, so I get to see it quite a bit. And I think, you know, it's, it's interesting in just the massing of the kind of three bars that that march back and the kind of hierarchy of the materiality there. But then also it's always intriguing, those, those those angles, like in section and also in elevation of the windows and the play of that. Where, where did that come from?
1: You know, um, I'd say that the Railhouse project is a pretty good prototype of what we would consider like our typical Denver developer-driven projects where we've got a certain budget and um we can't really design the entire building to the nines you know what i mean right like we've got a certain budget um that we're and we're trying to accomplish a handful of goals to really present a nice building to the street and so um the buildings that really turned the corner on inca and 40th um we really wanted to really engage the sidewalk on those Um, and so we've got these front porches that go around things like that, but, um, there's always the push on these local projects by developers to really max out the square footage. You know, you've got a certain footprint in the Denver building or zoning code to, to build to, uh, up to the lot line or up to the setback line or whatever. And those are square feet that can be sold or rent. So um, we, we're always trying to find creative ways to kind of carve into that, um, in ways that is palatable to our clients, um, on the Railhouse project, projects. One of the ideas we have is this kind of bowtie tie roof, uh, that you see there, which really allowed for some building form to take shape, but also like it wasn't detrimental to the square footage or the usable space on the third floor. Um, But overall, like, uh, the railway runs, like, right alongside the front of the building. And one of the best pictures we have on our websites is just, I think, a picture from across um, the railroad tracks that shows these trains lined up with the building in the background. What we really wanted to do was just, with that long facade, make it almost look like a rail car with all the windows on it. And the the top mansard roof really kind of just, um, in many ways, emulates the shape of the rail cars, um, but just doing our best on that type of project to just emulate just what's around the property, um, you know, with the materials and the building form
0: and things like that. Yeah, and and you have you have that project where yeah again it's a little more economy of methods especially going in but then you have the jason project which seems like a pretty uh on the opposite end of that spectrum with just these four stellar units and the same kind of carve in i guess but in a really different way and plan right
1: yeah you know um that was one of those projects that had a little bit better budget Um, the uh the metal panels on that we actually were able to procure from a local, um, metal shop that it was, it wasn't reclaimed. It was just like, um, unused. It was like a bad metal panel order from another project that got wasted and they had it in a stack and we were calling up trying to find some cheap perforated metal and They're like, well, we don't have any, we've got, you know, these panels though, stainless steel, if you want to buy them. And, um, and we called up our client, and he purchased them. And we put them on our parking lot out here at the office. But um, hmm. yeah, that project had a little bit um, different approach from a budget standpoint. But you know, similar to the Inca uh, Railhouse project, just trying to get some good exterior space. You know, which is the whole idea behind those big carved-out decks on the second and third floor. You know, the big walkout.
0: Yeah. Are you pretty happy with those? How, how have people been using those? You know, it's pretty extreme kind of proportion of space, especially like interior and exterior. But yeah I, don't,
1: yeah, I should probably drive by <laughs> and people, see if people have their furniture out there. But I'd be disappointed if they weren't using them.
0: Yeah, i I always, I always walk our dog like past there and like kind of try to look inside and not creep creep people out, but. uh yeah, yeah. That that living space on the ground floor is, seems very successful, especially with that wrapping uh, kitchen space. And yeah, yeah,
1: that wasn't easy to get built. <laughs> <laughs> I bet.
0: So what's what's your what's your kind of Denver community? So I mean, you've got your 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 two friends, of course, uh, but you you work with other architects or other. Um, People, do you have a softball team? Do you?
1: No. I mean, I haven't really found time for that. <laughs> that sort of stuff these days.
0: Yeah. This is a question I like to ask everybody. But so what? what's your uh, – do you have, like, a mountaintop moment that you've had that you're saying this is this, – this makes it worth it? And in the same token, do you have, like, that worst moment
1: uh, shoot. Man, what's the mountaintop? What's the mountaintop moment? I don't know.
0: Have you been there? Yeah. Have you been there yet? I mean,
1: uh, I mean, I'm, I feel like we have these little little hills, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that we get on top of. Um, I don't think we've reached the mountaintop yet. Um, yeah, I think that in our profession, there's a bunch of small wins that we get that keep us going. Um, for me, it's, you know, when we have projects that reach construction milestones and we can see them in person, that feels pretty good. Um, you know, like we've got a, <clears throat> a new boutique hotel on Tennyson that is uh, almost done, are pretty much wrapping up right now. And that's, that feels pretty good to see that project almost complete. Um, we've got, um, you know, project uh, at 32nd and Erie, it's like an old 1890s firehouse that, you know, is getting renovated, turned into a mixed-use building, you know, it's got a new third-story addition added to it, and just seeing that get built, um, those are my little hilltop moments (laughs) to go out there and and look at that. I'd love love to find that mountaintop moment where we get hired for some big skyscraper in Dubai, but I'm not holding my breath right now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, probably the low point is just, you know, those years between 2008, 2010, just struggling to make ends meet. And, you know, that's a tough time in the career, but probably valuable time, you know. A good learning experience,
0: yeah so you, 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 you you talked about the, the skyscraper in Dubai, but what what is next? do you know what's next? do you know where you're projecting towards
1: I don't um, you know we we're trying to figure that out I think always uh, we're doing a lot of commercial projects, I think we talk to people and a lot of them are surprised that. Um, we're doing the size of projects that we do for a four person firm. Um, we like doing that commercial work, honestly, um, you know, we hope it keeps, we hope it keeps coming and it kind of seems to be trending that way, but, you know, we like doing the projects that are unique, that are different, that have good developers, um, that want to try unique things, um. But at the same time, we also occasionally do some great single family projects that we enjoy. And if things just keep trending the direction that they're going and the success keeps coming in, then I think we're happy. I and mean, I think if we could grow and grow by doing the type of projects that we want to do, that would be ideal.
0: And it seems like you, at least from like the projects on your website, it's it's like a very steady work, like it seems very selective work, like strong projects, a few a year. Um, do you have, do you have a bunch of projects that aren't on the website that don't make it or each one is a, a um, go up there? There's a few, but
1: not a lot. I mean, we try to cater to the website to, to projects that we feel best kind of, um reflects the brand of work we want to do or um that we're most proud of um some of the there isn't many but there's some projects that don't fit that mold perfectly um and we're always looking at what we have up there to to try to ask ourselves if it really reflects who we are you know so um it's a it's kind of a living document (laughs) the our, our web our website you
0: know right yeah well uh keep keep doing it keep keep building around me i love i love walking by them and seeing something new every time and um yeah thanks for talking with me
1: yeah for sure
0: feel good yeah anything else no yeah. no big no big bombshell you want to drop on this show I wish. Uh, Yeah. Nothing right now. All right. Well, cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on and have a good weekend. All right. You too. Thanks for listening to this week's show. You can visit architect-ing.com to see images from this week's guest. And please rate and review the show wherever you listen on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or Anchor. Have a great week and continue to reach out. Thanks.
1: podcasts.